of a No Wall Rod Pod podcast, Maximus. I'm Stuart Ware, and I'm surrounded by people who are utterly loyal and trustworthy in every possible way, and are definitely not going to stand me in the back of the train at any point during this recording. First up, it's a man for whom it is always International Kiss of Transformers fan day, at least as far as his girlfriend is concerned, Tom. Well, no, I mean, she's, she's away some days. It, it's still that day for her. Okay, which doesn't get to really celebrate it. <laughs> who does? And also a lady who was, whose lawyers have asked me to clarify that she's not the chairwoman of a getaway fan club, and nor does she festoon giant statues of you with flowers like David Soul in that episode of Star Trek. It's Marion. Hi. You, you'll call the lawyers off now, won't you? I don't know. I'm going to wait till the end of the podcast just to be sure. <laughs> Okay, so, so it's sort of a very special time. Marvel meets the Irish 50. Yay! Ooh. Yes. Well, we've unbridled enthusiasm like that. Well, so the first thing we should mention before we get into the issue is that there were some quite serious delays here. I think about two or three weeks, was it? Uh, it was two weeks. It was the 24th originally. And then it came out on the 9th uh, for, in most parts of the world, except for the print... Edition in the UK, which is not out as we're recording this. I can't even remember what happened in All Hail Optimus, which it was supposed to launch alongside. Optimus wanted to agree with and he went, Yay! That was. Skybite was in it. <laughs> yeah, I so was sort of very brief thoughts on RID 50. Did, did we like it? Yeah, I liked it. It's been overshadowed. Uh, <laughs> the nature of these beasts, this beast. Uh, you know, the squeaky wheel gets the grease, the one that comes out two or maybe three weeks late and stokes the fires exactly the way it wants to. Uh, it's the one that we're going to talk about. Brilliant. As it is fair to say, then, that in, because of a long wait, there was an awful lot of anticipation on this issue, even more uh, than there was just from it being issue 50. It's a 10 pages longer than normal main story and... Uh, is it six pages of backup, or...? It's ten glorious pages. Ten pages, boy, it's... The main story is 11 pages long, because it has a bonus page, a page with no graphics. Uh... Oh, is that a single page, is it? Because it looks odd on my tablet. It's, it's, I sort of have to turn the tablet sideways to see it properly, as if it were a double page, where it doesn't quite fill the whole thing. No illustration, yeah. just lettering. That page is a homage to the transformation page on uh, the issue yeah, uh, with the recap of the Primus Unicron story, where Emerald Saron said him story, and they, for the UK printing, they extended the first completely blank page over to the, uh, the editorial page as well. So you had like two completely oh, white pages. Yes, yeah. I, I'm sorry, Tom, you go first. Uh, sure, I, uh, I thought this was a well-earned issue. I, I thought it was very clever. Um, but really, my main... The reason... Uh, the, the thing which really sticks to me is it was the, was the backup story. I, that, was, that was the main event. I thought that was so well-constructed. And, uh, and uh, you know, it was supposed to be a celebration, and I think it acted... It was so 
all the the, the density of the callbacks and the homages. It, all the way along this issue, it kind of knew what I was thinking. I guess uh, the, the the reader the reader at large, it, it brought you along. And I feel it, it, it was. If the series were to end here, I think that would be a perfect point. Even on this cliffhanger, I think that would be amazing. People would talk about this forever. You'd like the uh, the Angel Stroke Blake Seven ending for it, would you? Oh yeah, I guess that's what that is. Uh, for me, I very much like this issue. It's uh, there's one point in the middle which we'll come to, but I literally went, oh fuck. Uh, for about 10 minutes. Very much subverted my expectations. I saw a weird comment on a blog yesterday where somebody was moaning that this wasn't the issue that was advertised with Megatron fighting with DJD. And I thought that person was an idiot because all the promotions clearly misdirection so that you wouldn't expect what happens when they pwn the Lost Light back up. So I think all the PR has been very expertly handled to lead you down the garden path as well. It's just... Oh, I got tingles, at least a few points in this issue. Um, first of all, um, it, it was really good to get that many pages. It felt really satisfying after having to do with... Uh, and I really felt the loss of the two pages in more than meets the eye. So that in itself was, um, especially after all the wait, was really, really satisfying. And then to get 30 pages of main story, 31 pages of main story, and then get the bonus story as well, it was fantastic. As for the story, I, I, I saw this coming. I didn't see it coming exactly the way it happened. There were a lot, a lot of things I, that really surprised me. But uh, I knew this is what this was coming to. So it was... A, it was gratifying in some way to feel like yeah i had been paying attention yes yes this is good um and nevertheless be surprised again but i'll agree with you tom the extra story was fantastic and uh i'll tell you later what my absolute favorite thing about it was i i uh, thought of things you'd said you've said on this podcast in, in previous episodes while i was reading this marion because yeah, you you did you you were not letting the atomizer thing go. You were talking about a larger conspiracy, and definitely, yeah, you knew you knew what was up, and uh, and you were definitely right that something was was way up. And yeah, it was very satisfying that way that people who are paying attention are really rewarded by having their worst their worst fears confirmed true. <laughs> It was really like a, like a phone call at three o'clock in the morning rings, and you already know what's what that so you can almost hear from from the intonations of your of your familiar ringtone what's going to be on the other end there, but you have to pick it up. What I want to know is where is the reward for people who are paying attention like me? That's not fair, but you attention payers get little treats. That's uh, <laughs> one, of, that's one of my main complaints when I get to the end of the issue. Paying attention. I have a Rodimaster right here. I don't know about you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I imagine that's been quite devalued now. Uh, Do you know what? I I should put this on for the podcast, really, shouldn't I? You should. Yeah. There we go. Rodimaster. There's Marion wearing her Rodimaster. What did you earn that for? 
I, I don't know what I got it for, Tom, for being the biggest Rodimus fan. Uh, she would approve, wouldn't he? <laughs> There's one last remaining friend on the ship. Everybody else is just sold there, Rodimus Stars, on eBay. I bet Hoist hasn't kept his. <laughs> Do you think that's like how the massive bonfire was thrown all the Rodimus desk? <laughs> <laughs> oh. Well, at That's least trail. Gonna happen, isn't it? And they're definitely all going to look at their Rodimus stars in an upcoming issue. I bet you'll have a getaway award or something like that for place in it. Do you know what? I think should happen. They should all melt them. And then I think Ratchet should turn up at the Lost Light and he should grab all the melted Rodimus stars. And you know, Game of Thrones style, he should pour them over getaway. <laughs> Where do we think Ratchet would have gone with this vote, though? Because he voted against Rodimus, Rodimus in the confidence vote, and uh, he really doesn't like Megatron. Oh, but he wouldn't support a mutiny. I think I think um, that exact question is probably going to be answered um, because I think while a lot of people would have, yeah would have voted against Rodimus or voted against Megatron, I think the methodology. I think there may be another sub-mutiny, but we're getting ahead of ourselves. Yes, you're right. We, we haven't even done a recap page yet. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, which I think we should drink the version recap page, because as with the last story we did, it's idiosyncratic. It's uh, just a list of events from each storyline, which I hadn't quite realised we'd done that many storylines as well. Because uh, I think most of these are for more than one issue as well. Who's been sad and gone from all of them and worked out which one? Uh, means. Uh, it's on the wiki, I think. No, I have to say, it's on the fun out of the cover wiki. I think I skimmed it in the manner of an academic paper where you kind of you pick out a couple of keywords. You go, okay, yeah, I think I know what this is about. Onwards. I've never seen this sort of style of recap before. It's, it's sweet. And, uh, it's rather like the recap at the start of the 100th episode of Buffy, where they just play a clip from every episode very rapidly. Uh, what's interesting here is that issue 50 Robots in Disguise did it feel the need to sort of touch base with the other comics. But here we have a little moment with everybody, the entire current IDW Transformers cast, all watching these messages. It feels very much like a TV show. It feels very much... You can you can definitely, uh, you know, pick out these these other characters and then them looking on, on this new development. You can... I guess because in a TV show, your actors are under contract and they have to appear in a certain number of episodes or you've got them for a, for a minimum and they sort of save them up for these special occasions. But it felt very much like that. Uh, and it's, you know, also just like, they don't know what's going on. You don't know what's going on. It's it's um, it's very effective. And it's it sort of adds into this whole idea of it being a victory lap. Just neat little things like we have Velocity there and it's Windblade hearing Velocity's uh, mm-hmm. thing. You know, we get to see her being sad. Uh, yeah, I like that. I like, um, also, I just love how Optimus, who that's like a running joke, like Optimus would have dealt with this. If he'd gotten this message when it was ha- when it was being sent out, he would have gotten over there somehow and put everyone to rights. I like how it, it's linking into Robots in the Skies the same way that Remain in Light did when we get the yes. flashing ah. the constructor called bots. Uh, I thought exactly the same thing. That was uh, one of the nicest moments in Remaining Light. So, mm. yeah. And it's fun just to see uh, Milne draw Optimus Prime and Starscream and, and friends. I, I think his Starscream looks odd. 
Especially apparently really? a, a look of fear in his eyes, but he just looks like he needs to switch the decaf there. He's just, if that starts with his look of fear, uh, well, I, who I feel sorry for is Chrome Dome, because they're, they're doing their like, speeches about how they want to be buried. His is all about Rewind and how happy he'll be to die with him and their joint funeral. Rewind's just like, yo, Dominus Ambus, if you're out there. Yeah. <laughs> it's alive, isn't it? Well, no, I hope Chrome went on afterwards. And said, excuse me, I, I'd like to change my last request, please. <laughs> yeah, so this good details, um, both Nautica and Velocity refer to the inscription on the spark casing, which is a cultural, communist uh, burial thing. thought it was a good touch. And uh, we get to see Fort Max and Red Alert. Yeah, and... Uh, <laughs> The scavengers have done fuck all since last time we saw them. <laughs> Just sitting around watching telly. Rimlock looks really interested in what's happening as well. He looks very happy there. <laughs> and I love this so much. Crocs imprint on the wall from when Grimlock pushed him against the wall. It's brilliant. But the best bit is Rung. Oh, he's out mode. Um, put maybe on use. That's that's an interesting line, isn't it? So d- oh, does he know what his out mode really does then, or is he just generally worried about it? He yeah. knows something. He does. He knows something we don't know. He knows he's not an ornament. Mm. In fact, as, as we are so good at uh, speculating and predicting what's going to happen, what do we think's actually happening here then in these messages? Because I do have a theory. What's the shape? Is this, uh, is that red alert just being wacky red alert, or what are we supposed to know about the shape? Well, I, the I, shadow of the gun. I'm is guessing he's. Cannon? I'm guessing he's talking about a, pa- a panel we can't see because I can't see any shadow on Nelby's head above his hand in what we can see. I, c- I can see a shadow, but not enough to be able to tell you what that's supposed to be. <laughs> Mm. Uh, my personal guess is that this is Megatron and he, this is all being faked to trick the DJD into thinking that he was only faking me the Lord of Us all along. And this is like an elaborate delay for time mm. ruse. But the six hours might seem a bit unlikely about his circumstances, but Tarn is a stickler for bureaucracy. So there was some good argument Megatron could make to say, I'll kill them all to prove I'm still evil and it was all a trick. This could be six hours. I think that's what's happening here. That'd be my uh, personal guess. Uh, that would be very Weedon-esque. Mm-hmm. It would. It would agree with the ultimatum that the Jedi gave the scavengers to bring Grimlock out. Oh, actually, yes, yeah. Time. How much time did they give the scavengers? Fifteen minutes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> They'd probably give Megatron a bit longer than Fulcrum, though. <laughs> uh, it has been revealed that this is a, a reference to Zulu. Oh, the whole the whole issue, you mean? Yes. Yeah. Apparently it is. Unfortunately, I hate Zulu. It's one of the worst. It was one of my dad's favourite films, and we had to watch it a lot when I was a kid. It's like eight hours of nothing happening except British men with guns killing black people and being treated as the heroes of a film. Which, uh, yeah. But yes, man, it's a Zulu reference earlier in season two was foreshadowing of this. So I think every moment. I don't Maybe uh, yeah, the next issue must be uh, 20 pages. All about an episode of Community. <laughs> but, uh, every reference is significant. I have to say, as much as I love the foreshadowing and the references like that, after a while you're just like, how much homework do you need me to do, James Roberts? Just give me a break. 
I don't think it's a near. I mean, remember we're we're pretty um, exceptional as readers in the fact that we're we're going over this more and more. Most people, I mean, it, it doesn't doesn't really impact on the story either way. Knowing about Zulu, it's just like a little. Huh. Uh, you, you don't you don't need to know that. It's it's more like a tip of the hat than a um, a bit of homework. I feel. Oh, uh, yeah. in that case, Misfire Say Bloody is probably a direct nod to Zulu Red and that famous Michael Caine line. Well, what's the famous Michael Caine line? Stop throwing those bloody spears at me. Okay. Are you talking about the bloody hell line? Yes, yeah. I'm assuming the, if, if, if the whole plot is a Zulu reference, him slipping a bloody bear would probably be nodded at Michael Caine. Yeah, we, <laughs> okay. we've exhausted <laughs> our, our, our vein of Zulu knowledge. <laughs> we've got a lovely uh, made for the preview uh, turn page. And I really like this kind of uh, page turn. I really like this kind of stuff of like, <gasps> Optimus Prime dies really big. Like, it happened three weeks ago. <laughs> oh no, they're certainly dead. Go three weeks earlier. And then you've got this jolly thing of Magnus and Thunderclash going into battle against a load of weird looking monsters. Um, uh, yeah, that is, that is just effective, economical, lovely storytelling. So it's a real shame then that iTunes decided to release pages four, five, and six as a preview. <laughs> this is this is a curse issue, really, isn't it? It's uh... or, or I doubly told them so. I'm not sure what happened there, but either way. Uh, I think what's interesting here is actually Will is obeying Megatron's orders seemingly quite happily for I think just about the first time in the series, uh, but I can recall anyway. I mean, he just seems. That content to do what Megatron tells him. Do we think when he had his memories erased, that's left some, got rid of some of his issues as well? Or is he just more cheerful now? I think, I, I, I've got a friend who reminds me a bit of Will, and um, he's just happy, it doesn't matter what he's told to do, he's just happy to do it, because it means he doesn't have to think about it. And I think Will must have done some crazy stuff with the records, much worse than this. This at least is semi-heroic. I think either he finds it funny or just like, yeah, right. I think I think he finds a great relief in being able to say, yes, boss. Mm. I think he found some peace after Elegant Chaos as well. When it comes to Megatron, I think he's he's had some kind of um, resolution, some kind of uh, closure. So it's probably a bit easier for him now. Yeah, yeah, I'd forgotten about Elegant Chaos, actually. Good point. Okay. Of course, then we get established that Tailgate can punch out a giant killer robot with one punch, which might come in handy later on in this story. <laughs> yes, it can. I can't imagine how. I mean, they're doing fine, aren't they? Uh, oh, little detail. Magnus has a hammer. Yes, that's... Uh, well, I think you were saying earlier on, uh, on Twitter, Marion, that uh, the comic is just behind the Mighty Four in the Comicsology charts. This is clearly an attempt to overtake four by bringing his own hammer to appeal for four fans. That's a very meta comment. That's a very more than mid-sea comment. Huh? <laughs> oh, no, it's just nice to see Thunderclash being awake and doing mm-hmm. things. Yeah, for the only time in this issue. So he, I would guess he definitely isn't on the side of what happens in a few pages' time. So it'll be interesting to see where he is in the future yeah, issues. Yeah, to drop there. Obviously, we know what happens later, but interesting, huh? Megatron's line about, but don't kill anyone. <laughs> but 
I'm not going to join you in this fighting business. I'm just going to sit here and watch a bit everyone else up. But don't you kill anyone, please. Well, it looks to me like many of these rust giants do die. <laughs> they surely from what tailgate punches does not recover for being superpower punch in the nose like that. Oh, she'll be fine. I mean, I'm not quite clear on the nature of these rust giants. Are they mechanical? I guess, I guess they must be. Are they suits of armour? Are they... Megaton wants them to survive, so presumably they qualify as alive in some form, because he's obviously saying we can't kill them. Mm. You can kill the yeah. organics if you like. He's happy with that. Yeah, that's a good point. By definition, they must be mechanical, because Megatron considers them being able to be murdered. And it's one of the, because this issue asks you to sympathise with Megaton a lot, so it's quite interesting, but it does put him back little bit, showing that he isn't the perfect good guy, yes, when he's saying, oh, why, why are you bothering to save these guys? They're rubbish. I thought we'd be doing something more worthwhile. Yeah, it's a really nice little go-between in that it's it's kind of a, um, Megatron is sort of becoming this school teacher here, and he's sort of, you know, making a finer point on policy without putting much force behind it. He sort of wants his naughty... His, his naughty child, a naughty student, to go against him because you know it's it's just such a token resistance. It's so it's so far from where he was even when he almost refused to let anybody help out when the Lost Light Two uh, came across. Was it the Offcom planet, Offset planet? Oh, yeah, Offset. <laughs> it's almost as if there's some outside force changing his personality. Before we get to that, I like how this is a very driftish. This is what Drift's been up to, isn't it? He's going around and helping out oh, weak I'm people. I've not read it. Is that what ah, he's doing? It is what he's saying. Okay, uh, no, no spoilers then. Uh, you've ruined my joke for when we're talking about the end of the issue where I was going to pretend nobody had seen Drift since he left the book. <laughs> so, what is it in great to catch up with him and match it again? I wonder what they're doing. <laughs> oh, that's actually a good point. They're conspicuously absent <clears throat> during the... Uh, Optimus and, and Blades. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I think they're, yeah, they're definitely in store. The way the way Roberts has specifically said that they're not coming into it, yeah. they definitely are. Well, what part of a promotion of this storyline could possibly be misconstrued as deliberate deception? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we have alt mode. Yeah, hey. I, I yeah, nice. see for call Alex Mill be very excited by this page on Twitter, wasn't he? When he was drawing it, he was going, like, I'm getting to draw vehicles! I can't blame him. <laughs> oh, it's good to see Rodimus is especially. Was he that much of a June buggy style thing before Rodimus? Well, I suppose you see it so rarely, it's hard to remember. <laughs> He's a weird, the Mill draws a weird looking Rodimus old node. It's, it looks much nicer here, but it's kind of strange and like bulbous. I quite like this design from what we can see of it. It's a different angle, but... So, Megatron gets the same rollout as well. As all his happy troops come home, all his friends. Oh, dear me. And then we need to make it for class of a day. Oh, I love this. I would never in a million years have thought this would happen. But it makes total sense. You know, there's been a lot of dictators who were teachers, a lot of, uh, you know, people who had violent lives to retreat into academia and uh, it's yeah this is sort of sweet it's kind of this is the peacetime role of authoritarian tyrants 
is being mm-hmm. a lecturer, being a, te- a teacher. It's it's the it's the acceptable, useful use of people like Megatron. Yeah, we have uh, on the first issue, second issue, possibly, of season two, reference to the classes, oh, yeah. uh, with one of them getting cancelled, and Riptide is very stressed over it, as I seem to recall. And, um, but they expected them to be more sort of like, I don't know, school classes, you know? This is a lot more university-type setting. And yeah, I, I quite enjoyed this as well. I feel sorry for Harold having to sit behind Riptide because he can't see anything. <laughs> That's what turned Harold. He's like, damn you. I mean, just, I, this ruins my learned experience. I'm going to team up with a mutiny here. <laughs> I like all the... Uh, yeah, I guess there's a couple of things going on here. I really like the just the difference in scale between you guys. Just how you're having Grapple at the back, how big Thunderclash is. And again, yeah, Riptide's crazily tall being at the front. Of course he would be. Of course Riptide would be oblivious to his big boat backpack. And Zaron's giving Riptide a look, but just says, you tit. Oh, this doesn't like him. You can tell that in his face. But, uh, <laughs> I would guess if other people on the ship are not fully behind what, what Getaway does later on, it would be the people in this scene most because yeah. you wouldn't be going to Megatron's lectures if you hated him that much. And uh, you, can't, you can't imagine Zaron no. doing anything naughty. Pound is in the panel, isn't he? Yeah, but he, yeah. Yeah. Hound is. And have any of you ever, do, do we see Perceptor later on? Because he's one I would mainly expect to still. Uh, we don't, and that's a plot point. We definitely would, well, we should definitely talk about that. Oh, who is it in the crowd scene later on? Yes, that's because I think that's yeah, uh, yeah, indicative. Yeah, it's telling that, yeah, Perceptor crosscut definitely, and Zaron. Thunderclash. Oh, yeah, of course, Thunderclash. Sorry, he was so big, I didn't even what? see it. <laughs> Weird, there's, a, there's a very specific framing on this that I think is, is important. Does this mean Zaron might actually do something? Oh, God forbid. <laughs> the fact that the, some of the smartest people in the class are sat on the back, <laughs> I love it. It's like <laughs> brainstorm not against Skids. <laughs> Skids looks really bored. He's a... Yeah, no, he's he's looking skeptical. I think he's like, you know, intensely reading. Not the guy's looking bored, <laughs> or a bit like, you know, oh whatever, I'll do what I want. Stop telling me what to do. Brainstorm distracted. Skid looks attentive to me, but it's a very small picture. Uh, Paul Thunderclash, he was like the main man when he was first introduced. The guy knew everything. You'd have thought maybe asking him to give the lecture. Maybe that's what turns him as well. So I know about the Knights of Cybertron. Why aren't I giving a speech? Oh, but Thunderclash is way too humble. So he would always say that he, there's always more he can learn. He's one of those guys. He does look quite angry on the next page when he's talking about the symbol. There's a scowl there, is it? I love what Megatron's saying there. Um, it's all very like, yeah, that, that, these are all very good points. We should absolutely think about these things. <laughs> But it's so <laughs> it's it's so ironic though because when did Megatron stop and think about these things when it comes to other people? You know when did he stop and think about the political and the the social and the uh, you know, whatever context before he attacked whichever planet? You know, it's just like <laughs> that's nice. That's that's very good, Megatron. Well done. <laughs> yeah, position to heal myself. Uh, and if you can't do it, then teach. 
Uh, what I think is interesting, actually, is that uh, he's working from a position that the Knights failed in. Yeah, that's, because great, that's a great bit. As he's assumed, his future life depends on finding the Knights. It's interesting that he thinks they probably aren't out there anymore, that something's happened to them. Well, that they, like the Decepticons, they started out with good intentions and fragmented into a load of in-groups and then kind of tripped over their own uh, their own ideals. Do you know what? That's that's a good angle on it. I, I didn't put it in context, but of course he'd be interested in what the knights would think because they're going to judge him. So, of course, he's thinking about all this stuff. Yeah. Yeah, so, so there's a lot of self-interest. <laughs> uh, you people help me work out whether we're going to find me guilty or not. That's the main purpose of this lesson, or even if they're still alive. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, because Megatron would have been totally dismissive of anything pre-fight. I mean, you know, he's part of like a destroy history movement as a young man. But yeah, he's definitely motivated by, by self-interest when he needs to be. But we don't get to see Skids right out sound phonetically. So I wonder if that will be significant later on, or whether it's just a throwaway joke. Wrong. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that was that was brilliant. I, I I don't think this is throwaway at all. I think the name is probably very significant. Hmm. And not being being so happy at discovering how group work works. <laughs> this is a thing. We all should do this. <laughs> uh, then it all starts to go wrong. Uh, I saw somebody on Twitter say that the panel of Megatron punching Minimus. Is a callback to something, but I don't recognise it. It's not. It's not the panel of him punching Minimus. The panel underneath it. Does that not remind you of anything? Transformers the movie. What do you think Megatron's doing in that panel? He's doing. Trying to fire his gun, is he? It's. He's got a ghost fusion cannon. Oh, not Minimus. His best pal. Oh. Yeah. So he's he's so out at the moment. He's still got he's his just, big old gun. Absolutely, he's defaulted. He's just defaulted to what he knows how to do best. Because, mm. what, what's impressive there as well is that, of course, Ultra Magnus is basically his first officer. His old first officer, Starscream, he did this sort of stuff to all the time. It seems whoever his second in command best mate is, he does have to punch him a lot. Oh, poor Minimus. And just as he was telling you how fucking brilliant he is. <laughs> yeah. But as we find out, what's going on there is he's hearing voices, yeah? So he's being attacked by the uh, cerebral weaponry at this point. Yeah, that's where he puts the dents in his skull. Yeah, yeah. That's right. And what that thing does is it finds guilt, yeah? Mm. And uh, then Velocity asks, so, you know, what were you listening? What, what were you hearing? And he says, I was just hearing screams. Um so whatever's happening to him right there, and we know he feels a lot of guilt, is quite intense. But yeah, he pulls himself together, walks away, and then uh, we find oh, out awesome. that, that uh, what Megadron's been given is not just something that makes him weaker. Personality it's changes! Uh, is that going to be the cop and Trimmer could be the evil again? It's, oh, Tom's got his finger up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wagging my finger. Holding himself at this. First of all, Megatron hasn't been told about any side effects, and you think Ratchet or First Aid would have had scrupulous medical ethics. They would have to. I, I think Ratchet would quite happily lie to him because he's scared of his black hole power. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so whenever he looks at Megatron, he just sees their black hole power. Secondly, um, Velocity brings up as a possibility of these this class of drug, 
And thirdly, personality altering. There's a lot of wiggle room there. I think this is like more of an antidepressant analog than a mind controller. Yeah. This isn't what it's been presented as. As readers, this isn't what we've understood it as. At least that's not what I've understood yeah. it as. And it's always been a metaphor because you, you don't have a good equivalent. So if this was something you were giving to a prisoner or, well, you shouldn't be giving anything like that to a prisoner, but if it was a human equivalent, it would be uh, some kind of psych drug. It wouldn't be something that just made you a bit weaker physically. But within the comic it's been presented as simply Megatron isn't on the same energon as everyone else he's on this special stuff that just keeps him going but saps his energy out there's been no mention to anything psychological and of course uh, in terms of the end of issue they're separated from the lost lights one of the main theories is they could be separated from lost lights for quite some time they don't have any of Megatron's special fuel with them if uh, they end up having to give him normal fuel again, what will happen to him there? And uh, if, if this is anything like our own psych meds, uh, withdrawal symptoms are not pleasant. Oh. oh, I mean, yeah, I guess we see it. That's what the implication here is of him uh, hitting Ultra Magnus. I suppose the other thing this scene is for is to give Megatron a velocity a moment as well, because I don't think, are they even interacting before this in the series? I can't recall any significant moments. Barely interacting yeah. anyone. Yeah, so it's sort of like, because she's obviously with a rod pod of the yeah, end, that's sort of savage fact that she is quite friendly towards Megatron, in order for her inclusion not to seem slightly random. I really like yeah. how the Chameans don't have that automatic beat. It's, it really comes clear, just by, you know, this exception that proves the rule. But, you know, they just kind of treat Megatron like they do the rest of the other parts of Decepticons, because, I mean, it's splitting hairs. Mm. Uh, she, she's one of the people, it's really unfair to be of a rod pod, really, because she is a doctor with a Hippocratic Oath, or Spanks Hippocratic Oath, whatever it's called amongst the Transformers. She's obliged well, to treat any patients equally. Remember first aid on Voss, though, yeah? He, oh. he, ha- he had the line he wasn't crossing. Yeah. I've forgotten about yeah, that's that's gonna come up, isn't it? If first aid reappears. Mm, mm. Mm-hmm. First aid oh. was just a gitty that issue though. He deserves to be turned to a leg. Is he uh, I know he was going back, wasn't he, to uh, to the ship. Uh, the protective first officer. aid. Yeah. The, yeah, here's another one that's uh, missing. The uh, the Star Trek ringtone was really pleasing. <laughs> Is that an actual line from Star Trek? I don't really know uh, about Star Trek. No, that episode no, where they went to Planet of Mimes, uh, McCoy was like, damn it, Jim! You know, I might as well. It might as well. I, before I know. It's not from the original series. Uh, it, uh, the bald guy in Star Trek Voyager used to do a lot of other Doctor Not stuff as well in a desperate attempt to make people like that show. Uh, so he might have said it, but it's not a Doctor McCoy line. Okay. I am... Um, the uh, come in it's really value the performing arts. I think yes. that's what reference to. The whole Kabuki setup. I like how they've made that a thing and not just ignored it as a wacky color scheme. So you know, she's having to wear a separate communicator. Pretty uh, swerve could send a direct message to her brain if only they had that technology. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the whole thing of them having took into their wrists or took into their... <laughs> Gadgets, gadgets, yeah. <laughs> I mean, do, do we need eye watches? Clearly not, but we still have them, yeah. 
They are gadgets. <laughs> that's what an Autobot she's wearing on her arm. We find out there's a tripod guy later. That's that's risky. <laughs> He's got eyes. See it. This is just such a good moment. The, the, the Those four panels, well, the three panels where Megadron says he's never been happier, which in itself is a bit of a shock panel. It's like, what? You've never seen that expression in him before. Yeah, that, I can believe that's the effect of Rose, that expression, actually. Yeah, but that's his special view. I don't think it is. I don't think it is just that. I think it's a mixture of things. I think... I mean, I don't know. To me, it's a bit like, you know, if you've lived your whole life just being angry at everything and suddenly someone gives you something that just takes that edge away and you find yourself not having to, you know, um, command an army and not having any responsibilities, really, in comparison to what you used to have and, you know, everything is generally okay. I can see why you'd have that moment of... Yeah, I'm actually quite happy right now. I'm sure the medication has something to do with it, but I can also see why Megatron would be coming closer to kind of, like, feeling comfortable. And uh, that's the problem. He's feeling comfortable, and he shouldn't be feeling comfortable because he's not safe. But I I love how um, Velocity, even after they're interrupted by the comedy ringtone, just turns around and whispers, I'm so glad you're happy. Which is like a very doctory nice kind of thing to say, you know. Oh, yeah, it's a nice little smile. It's 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 before now yeah. things took a turn. Is is it setting up Megatron for a great big fall here? You might as well say I'm going to retire next week. What could possibly go wrong? Yeah, it's the the uh, solicitation for issue fifty one is the Tarn Court. Uh, about the best time to take everything away from someone is when they think they have everything or something along those lines. Oh, what's uh, what's that line from that? There's uh, a literary line. What do you? Uh, how do you hurt the man who's lost everything? Give him back something broken. Oh, uh, wow, that's a good one. I can't remember which. It's nothing like uh, that solicitation. So I don't know why I mentioned that. It's popped into my head randomly. So it turns out everybody's been having psychological trauma and possibly punching Minimus Ambus as a result as well. That, that's not shown here. <laughs> He's having a really bad day, Minimus is. It's interesting, Tailgates is happy to talk about what he heard, but as is Rewind, but none of the others are. Ah, just, um, just a small aside here. One of the things that I've really not liked in more than Mitzi I is the fact that after we have some major character arcs, we don't always have follow-up. So there's been two instances where this has really bothered me. One is when um, Rewind comes back from Elegant Chaos. He, We find out that he's not standing trial because they say he's suffering from PTSD and therefore he wasn't in any position to... You know, he, he can't be held responsible for what he did to not Megatron. But then there's no follow-up on this. Uh, so is Rewind saying wrong about this? Is he? You know, is anything happening to address this? It, well, I hope it's he's never... not seen <laughs> Well, aside, that aside, yeah. But is there anything, you know, there's, there's nothing. We're told this and then nothing happens. When Swerve uh, has his breakdown in um, the Swerve issue, 
again, uh, he helped, you know, there's the intervention, you know, Cyclones has a chat with him, fine, he snaps out of it. But again, there's no follow-up. Nothing happens after that. With, uh, with Rewind, I agree with you about Swerve. Uh, with Rewind, I always assumed that was the case that they were just making up a bullshit excuse not to... Because that was basically Swerve's offence, wasn't it? You're not doing him, and your best reason for not doing him is rubbish. I don't agree with you, because that would have been a very valid thing to say about someone who's just survived a DJD attack and watched all their friends get killed and their husband... And, you know, I don't think it's too much of a stretch to say he's suffering from PTSD. But anyway, this is something that's been bothering me, that we get these brilliant issues that focus on these things, but then we just forget about them. And this is the first time ever that there's been follow-up that I can think of. So Telgate is telling us that he's feeling guilty for what's happened with Getaway. Mm. And he... It's it's very it's a classic sort of victim um, reaction that it, it doesn't stop after the attack. You carry it with you, and it, it's what he's doing. So he thinks it was his fault. He keeps playing that back in his head. He thinks he nearly got Cyclonus killed. It was his fault. You know, people are blaming him for it, and that's that's how you'd expect him to react. So I, I quite enjoyed that here, like as a as a little aside. Excellent point. And of course, rewind can't shut up about Dominus Ambus again. Let let, let it go, mate. You don't just keep going out with it. We never find out what Chrome heard. It's only he heard rewind going on about Dominus Ambus exactly like this. <laughs> rewind. Um, it took him ages to notice it was a telepathic projection. Chrome uh, didn't didn't get hit, did he? Well, they said five patients, and Chrome Dome was one of five outside the ring, wasn't it? Yeah, there's, yeah. Only, there's only five, so Chrome Dome must have been it as well, because Swerve says there's five of them that need treatment. Okay. And uh, Rung won't tell us. So there's something there's something worse than what we already know about Rung. Bit of wiggle room, because maybe he's you know, talking about what happened. Oh, no, because he's told everybody about the... Uh, he can still be guilty about what happened on the fateful archetype. Hmm. Maybe he's guilty about the fact he can't read the crew's moves, despite being yeah. a trained psychiatrist. You know, there's something I'm doing on here, but I can't quite place my finger on it. <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't have get, let's say, Fortress Maximus was okay to go back to work. That was a... <laughs> oh, poor <laughs> It's some quite, uh, yeah, pretty... Taking the, the patient confidentiality thing quite far, if 150 people have told him that they're going to exile him. <laughs> We're going to set a lethal trap for you. Now, if I'm going to tell somebody, that's awful. My that's, <laughs> that's a whole other layer to why uh, they included Rung in that group, isn't it? Rung, it's not, it's not that you were taking Megadra's side, it's just that you're fucking awful at your job. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is a page once you've read the issue through where it's hard not to look at every well two characters I think you bastard there's Blaster and Mainframe as well what did, what did Velocity ever do to Mainframe well <laughs> but he's trying to get her to stay like they did with Ratchet 
So they kept Ratchet's name off the list when they tried to get Megatron to kick everyone out, and now he's trying to convince Velocity to stay on the lost light. I, I don't know if this is just because, you know, they like them or because they need a medic on board or what that's all about, but it, he's trying to tell her not to go. And then when she says, no, I'm going, he's like, okay, take Whirl with you. Uh, is it Whirl or Ted? Because I assumed it was Ted. I, I, I thought, thought, it, was, I thought it was Ted. Having reread it, though, I think it's very clearly meant to be Will, the way the next page uh, is set up. Yeah, because he's got no reason to be there otherwise. He's not on Team Rodimus. He doesn't get hit with the with the guilt bomb. But neither does Ten. Why is Ten there? I guess he's just looking after Swerve. Ten, I think, is another one who definitely... It's incredibly twattish of Getaway's bunch, putting him on this rock pod. Considering he's just a guy who likes everybody... He couldn't have answered Getaway's questions when he was sampling people out. And this question was, on a scale of 1 to 10, would you be against the coup? 10. Oh, you're going on the list, Sven, 10. Sorry, that's your own bad luck there. I'm guessing they didn't even ask him, and uh, he's, he's uh, collateral damage. If he's gone with Swerve. Right. I, I wonder if somebody in this team... Is a traitor. Oh. I wonder if Ten is there just to keep things in line somehow. Because he's reprogrammable. Oh. And he's um, Tyrest Tech, which Getaway might be familiar with. I might be reaching, but that's my theory. It's, uh, it's definitely something that's... Yeah, there's, there's a lot to be... There's something to be explained for... Why ten is there? Either something innocent or something sinister. Oh, I do like that panel of uh, well upside down because what uh, Mill manages to get just about. I think Ultra Magnus is the only one who was in that panel. All the others are in at least partial body form, so it sort of instantly tells you tells you who's on the ship in uh, one handy way. Well, I don't know. It's taken me quite a bit squinting to see Nightbeat and Rodimus, but no, but pillars make them stand out, but it's because. The yellow would be spoilers. Yeah. This is from Magnus's point of view. In the next panel, he's sat where the camera would have been in the top panel. Oh, yes, yeah. Okay. There's better ways of doing that. I mean, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a great looking panel, but as I think as a, as a lineup, uh, I'm, I'm going to hesitate on the credit there. Uh, it's kind of lucky for Getaway that Rodimus did decide to just go over Rod Pod rather than taking Lost Light. Which he would not, he normally just took the whole ship, wouldn't he? He rarely, especially if we're going to get some serious enemy, it's all he would have taken all them, their mm. forces with them. That's convenient for the evil plot. Yeah, because he took everyone through the portal and remained in light, didn't he? He was like, this is, this is definitely going to get us all killed, but I'm going to take you through it anyway. I don't care what you have to say, because I've already made my mind up. I guess mainframe could have told him that only a certain mask and teleport there or something. Uh, I mean, they, uh, they, they can all be massaged. It's odd that they also perhaps wouldn't notice they did have enough fuel to do with both jumps. Because I would have thought well, that was significantly affected the weight of the ship as well and how it handles. Something about the, the teleport engines and I think they maybe need to be controlled from the other side. They had enough charge just for that, and they were probably, you know, Rodimus wanted to get things done right away, and yeah, whatever. 
This ain't one of us deserves this. I'm leaning towards Team Getaway now. He's making all the choices that make it easy for Getaway. That's uh, sloppy. A bonus page, so next page where they land in the, um, the middle of the planet. It's it's wonderful. I love it. I love that the way that uh, they've managed to get these bonus pages in uh, in a few of the issues has been really effective. You know, it hasn't really felt like filler pages. And this looks like they're underwater. The rod pod just looks like a submarine mm. with uh, headlights and things. The dialogue there is fairly uh, amusing. <laughs> oh, it's great stuff. Uh, what do we think is going on with the Hollow Planet, then? Oh. I mean, there's no clue. There's no clues, are there? The Necrobot's got a lot of magic. Oh, I bet I bet there are clues somewhere, Tom. You've got a really close... Well, it, it doesn't transform... Because if it did, it wouldn't be hollow, right? Hmm. Yeah, so it's not going to be a surprise appearance by Unicorn or anything like that, then. Yeah, I would There's something there. I mean, they don't well, fly through there. the whole empty space. Maybe there's something else inside there as well. It's... Hmm. Did the, did the Necrobot say that this planet was a casualty of the war? I forget why he chose this planet. Was that ever... I don't think about? he said, did he? It's... Uh... Mm. But he, he found it, didn't he? Found it. Okay. Yeah. A, lot, a lot of space in that. It, for some reason, it reminds me of the fact that Luna... Uh, which one's the moon that Fortress Maximus and Redalus are on? Luna 1 or Luna 2? 1. Uh, but Luna one. 1 has those mysterious engines on the back of it. Mm. There's something going on with planets in this comic. It's a bit odd. Mm. Good spot. Mm. A bit... Megaton as well, if they come off the ship, where he's slightly nervous about coming back there, is that just because of his field of flowers? Or where Ravage is going, I know, but what's done is done. Did they get up to something else whilst they were there last time? Don't think so. I think it's guilt. I think he's just not happy to be back where... You know, he, he realised what an absolutely horrible person he was. <laughs> I was wondering if he was going to turn, as they get out for the next issue, he was going to turn out he'd hidden the time case there, some wings or something like that. But no, guilt works much better than your ideas, actually. So, but it all goes wrong. It goes very wrong, doesn't it? It's quite sloppy. How do those ships manage to get back close without the view it's approaching? Because there's a lot of ships it's, there. That's a well, perennial you... Transformers problem, <laughs> isn't it? Ships always are. Way too close, then, so they can all fit in the same frame. Yeah, but I mean, they, you know, they just arrive. They arrive, they walk out, they're attacked. They don't have enough time to assess the situation. And then they find out the rod pod's not working anymore in a highly suspicious way. Uh, at what point did you two begin to suspect what was really going on here at this point, or? I, I like not to overthink these things as I'm reading. I kind of would like the comic to take me or, you know, the, the film or the series or whatever. And uh, I'll try not to jump to conclusions midway through stuff. So this was just all very exciting. Yeah. It's like yeah. this action, this like, you know, things are happening. Uh, I was mainly, the colouring style kind of shifted for these pages now I think about that. I, I, had, I thought exactly the same thing. And there is a panel... I think it's, I don't know, a couple of pages down where I suddenly just went, this is John Paul Bove. Oh, and so is it more than one colourist? 
immediately I recognized the color style because the credits are not till further down. So I hadn't realized we had three different colorists on the issue, but mm. I recognized the style right away. So, so this bit where they're being fired on, is that John Paul Bogues? Um, I think so. But the panel where I was 100% sure that was in is when they're inside the fortress. It's when they're talking to get away. There's a panel where Oh, okay. I, yeah. yeah, that's a huge shift in colouring. I hate it. hate that colouring. The, uh, the, the bit where they're being fired upon... And the rod pods moving around, it's all these lovely like rusts and roses and lavenders and things. Oh, I love that. And when uh, when it flies past the holograms, that one up the front, it's more distinctly drawn than the others. Is that supposed to be proud? I think so. Mm, yeah. He's always there, isn't he? Proud. About the colorists, this is a little bit hard to work out because the page numbers are for the print version, obviously. But John Lafuente has done pages 1 to 10. Okay. And then Priscilla Tramontano has done pages five, sorry, 11 to 15. Okay. And then 22 to 23. Okay, yeah, that makes sense, yeah. And then 27 to 31. Okay, yeah. John Paul has done 17 to 21. Yeah. And 24 to 26. Okay. Yeah. So it's the Priscilla ones that I'm, big, that I'm, I'm loving. Okay. Yeah, it's a vote of confidence for her. Uh, Excellent. Oh, they're gorgeous. No, it it yeah. is look good. I, I have to see about the John Paul pages uh, when we get to them. But uh, yeah, this looks great here. When, when the rod pod gets destroyed, I think that is a deliberate statement from Roberts because uh, many a time certain people like to make comparisons between these comics and Red Dwarf. And already, I've, without making a direct comparison, some people say, oh, is season three going to be these characters chasing after the lost light? Which is basically what happens in Red Dwarf 6. So I think destroying the Starbug analogy here is a pretty strong statement of no, we're not going to do Red Dwarf six in season three. Don't even suggest it. I it don't. Is, it is nice when the author talks directly to you in coded messages, isn't it? <laughs> of course, like Starbug, the rod pod is constantly being destroyed because that's what the third time now for it. Uh, oh yeah, they rebuilt it after Dark Cybertron. Yeah, I've seen Tailgate messing up pretty badly when he threw it about. It's it's been through the walls. Um, so yeah, Rodpod 2 is gone. I love this panel where um, they're all hit. So Nautica gets hit. Ultra Magnus loses an arm. Well, the armor loses an arm. He's protecting Swerve in the blast. Cyclonus is cradling Tailgate. Tailgate, even though he's super strong, powerful Tailgate, he's still being protected by Cyclonus and he still looks scared out of his mind. In fact, if he let Tailgate go, Tailgate could probably go to sort out this problem. <laughs> Don't wait, I've got super strength, remember? I can just punch him all to death. <laughs> I should have just thrown him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Then, uh, then it's oh. a, the poor old Necrobot. What did he ever do for anybody other than watch him die? <laughs> <laughs> who who Necrobots for Necrobot? This, this looks like a DJD sort of deal. 
That's right, because Velosti says she's not sure if the, the gunshots got him or if it was the flowers that have been shoved down his throat. Those are pretty yeah. badass flowers. <laughs> well, I guess that's a setup or something. They're like pure energy on, they're all explosive. Oh. Uh, oh uh, nice one. And blow up the whole planet. <laughs> yeah, they'll blow up Megatron's field. That's what will happen. Oh, that's symbolic. Oh. Oh, the poor, poor Nightbeat. He's he's yeah. clearly affected, but he's not really processing it. He's just, you know, he's just dealing in some way. But it's yeah. Just after he, you know, he meeting with Necrobot, sorted out his emotional problems far better than anything Ron ever did for him. Now he's back to square one. He's like, oh, I'm depressed again now. <laughs> I have to take some Megatron special fuels to cheer myself up. I like how down to business ravages as well when he gets sent out. No more quips or joking. He's just like, yep, on it, mate. But... I, I love it. It's such a great way of just of building up the tension by having him creeping ever forward. And you go, know what's happening. And it's on every left-hand page. You get that central panel. Not everyone. But until until it comes up, it's... it's, it's mm. So they try call for help. And who answers them but Getaway, the Marion's favourite character. How did you feel about seeing him again? Um, yeah, so Getaway, yeah, Getaway. I miss Getaway. He, he's been gone for a whole of one issue. Yeah, Getaway. I should point out, actually, that at the James Roberts signing last week, I drew him a page from issue 15, crayon. Now, using my own imagination, one of the panels was, Getaway was really quite enjoying himself being strung up. I was right! It's a stretch. Well, it was for Getaway, yes. <laughs> I knew all along. So, indeed. But um, we get a bit more information about Getaway's confinement here. So not only did he have his arms and legs removed and his voice box taken out, but they also took out his teacog and they put his spark in a trembler cage, which meant he couldn't move without risking electrocution. Do we still think there was uh, just a way to contain him? Uh, it definitely seems like there's a bit of punishment in there. But, but presumably none of this was actually active, though, if his own people made a set. Yeah, one of us, so worry, he's not in his ear, a trembler thing, honest. There's probably no such thing as a trembling cage. But he says, he says that he couldn't escape all these things and they were active. Uh, yeah, I think if he, if he was able to escape, he probably would have taken an opportunity during the, uh, when all the lights were off and everybody was distracted during Sunder and Friends uh, Rampage. So, yeah, page turn. I, as soon as we saw Getaway here, I pretty much figured out they all had to be in on it. I was like, Ugh. And then the next page, uh, oh, it's, it's Grapple and Cuscott, uh, Cuscott from the, the lecture who were there, not Hound. Oh, but Hound isn't, yeah. Oh, and Rick as well. Knows uh, that one, though. He's still out there fighting back good fight. Uh, <laughs> Who's that guy up in the top left, that jackpot? Uh, yeah, I think it's jackpot, isn't it? Yeah. That's a boy, he's giving a cheery wave. 
Yeah, I felt I felt really uh, upset by this. Like, you see these guys? Oh man, blaster that hurts. Mm. Riptide. Low streak. Yeah, I didn't actually spot Blue Streak until the second read-through, but yeah. Simon! Simon has turned on Nightbeats. But I, I was expecting Riptide. That's a nice, it looks delighted. He's good. Hey, guys! I don't mind Zara. He's a, he's a, he's such a twat. He's <laughs> a real piece isn't it? My God. But he's barely said anything. I really like how like, we, we can it. We have a really good sense of it. <clears throat> Apart from mm. the list, like, I haven't really heard him talk. No, do you know what though? He was one of the bots who was throwing stuff adrift when he was uh, being kicked off uh, Lost Light. Oh, was he? Yeah. Was he? He likes to feel righteous, I guess. Hmm. And if they listened to Ultramagnus from the beginning, he would never have been let on. That's right. Yes. From the very first issue with his crossbow on the list of A's, Atomizer. Maybe all these guys on that list are going to save themselves a lot of time and trouble. Well, well, mind you, yeah, absolutely. Nobody would be on the ship. <laughs> so, I, I think so, a lot of people would say, do, we, do they know that Getaway is called the DJD? But presumably at least these guys know who's there sat in room whilst Getaway's saying he's called the DJD. I mean, Blaster well, would have had to have done the call, surely. Hmm. Oh, that's that's a very good point. But he does he doesn't mention the DJ in in uh, this call here. Oh uh, uh, yeah, they they draw the dots, don't they? I mean, yeah. there's an idea that maybe he, they, he told them that the Galactic Council were coming. Yeah. So yeah. some nice fluffy buddies went to stroke whilst they on a planet. So I've sent those. Oh, that could also be the the red herring with the when they when Brainstorm leaps to the conclusion that the Galactic. Council might have sent the, the guilt wave. That's right. So, so, okay. So we have um, Getaway's big speech here. Tells us exactly what's what. How genuine what. do we think most of this is? Do we think the entire crew has gone over? Have they did it of their own violation? Have, have the nudge gun been used for selective memory in reality? Right. A lot of things here, right? So no. people who we would question... Uh, being in this group, Thunder Clash, most importantly. Assuming it's all genuine, Getaway hasn't been doing things to minds. Thunder Clash, definitely not. No, uh, uh, Perceptor, I would question. Perceptor would hurt. If Perceptor isn't bored, it would hurt. Perceptor admires Brainstorm, he would not. He That's was right. Okay. He would have turned against him. There's two things here. A, Perceptor worked for Prowl as the getaway. And uh, everything getaway says here is Prowl. Pretty much. This could have been a Prowl speech. I believe in justice and I believe in, you know, being practical and Rodimus, you're very inefficient. And uh, Optimus, you know, he done Megatron on us. He doesn't know what he's doing. And so on and so on. These are all very Prowlish things to say. Except saying that the Knights of Cybertron have something to give them. Yes. So that's the only thing Prowl's never cared for. He, he's never said anything about the Knights, doesn't care about the Knights as far as we're aware. The, the second thing is that um, I'm, finding, I'm finding Brainstorm a little bit aloof here. So he's not talking much. He's kind of sitting in the background. He's making weird comments. He's you know, being very quiet for himself. And 
he makes a comment about the Galactic Council, so he backs Blaster up when they're having a conversation. Uh, and I'm just a bit uneasy. I, I think I'm meant to be uneasy. Uh, but whether it's genuine or whether it's a red herring, I'm not sure. i tell you what, if Brent Saunders turned it out to me on it, I will be saying I told you so. Uh, you should have trusted him. Uh, but, but I don't know, there's, there's a couple of things that could be happening here. It could be that after Relegant Chaos brainstorms just kind of like lost, you know, focus. He spent centuries planning Elegant Chaos and then that was taken away from him. He's lost Quark forever. You know, there's a number of reasons why Brainstorm could be acting differently right now. But I, 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 I can't imagine Brainstorm, you know, saying, yeah, I'm all for mutiny. Megatron deserves everything that's coming to him. After everything that Brainstorm's done and Brainstorm had the opportunity to kill him and didn't kill him. And it would feel very weird if Brainstorm has taken the stance here. Yeah. Especially if he, after he was he was acquitted uh, and allowed to stay on the lost light by Rodimus, that he would turn around and stab him in the back like this. Cool. But there's there's something there that's just not quite clicking for me. Yeah, there's a there's a part to play, I guess, for everybody. I hadn't really thought about uh, brainstorm at all because yeah, it's hard to. I guess that's the whole thing. Like you know, he is a Decepticon. Uh, he has tried to kill Megatron before, but then again, he's part of Team Rodimus, and again, he might be a collateral damage consideration. He wasn't targeted with the guilt bomb. Mm-hmm. But then, I don't know. Oh, well, remember, Getaway's a, a made-to-order. I don't think Brainstorm anyone... Would kill him, too. I don't think anyone was targeted with the, the guilt thing, were they? It was just the Necrobots sending destroying the message... No. They they were targeted, but the people who end up on this quest are the people this quest on this trip are the people who hear the voices. So why would the Necrobots do, have done that when he sent out the signal to target them? He didn't. He didn't. Oh, I thought that he sent out the signal to blank out the communication message. That's right. The signal was sent by someone, and the Necrobot altered the signal so it wouldn't arrive as an invitation. It arrived as a warning. The guilt wasn't part of the plan, presumably. Mm. No, I was saying what this twist very much reminds me of is a two-part story from season four of the new Battlestar Galactica, where they have a mutiny aboard because of an alliance the the lead characters made with the Scions, who of course had attempted genocide against humanity. So most of the regular characters are happy about this alliance. Charismatic bullshitter who's in prison gets let out by some of the secondary characters to overthrow the uh, traditional command crew and try and execute them. And it feels quite like that, uh, that the sort of the people who've been in the background for the last three seasons as sort of likeable, nice characters turn against the leads because they don't like having these genocidal monsters working alongside them and they think their quest isn't going anywhere. Mm-hmm. And in, in that situation, despite what the character, usually called Zarek in Transformers terms, it's not, it's not what he's saying, oh, I've got everybody on my side. He's only got just enough of the crew and people on his side. And there are people aboard who are helping and fighting again. I think that's possibly going to be quite similar here, where maybe there's not that many more people that we're seeing being pro getaway. 
And Nexus, you will see like the resistance on the ship and Zaron leading the fight against Getaway and taking back the um, ship. Yeah. Right, I, I think you're spot on. I think that's, uh, that's a good uh, comparison to make. I think there's, there's more to be said about the fracturing of the, of the Lost Light crew. I don't think this is a clean that side, that side split. Unless something dodgy is going on with... I mean, I hope this sticks. I hope at least these characters... Because these are some big names here. I mean, Blaster is a big name Transformers character. Uh, Blue Streak, I suppose, technically is, even though he's never done anything. This isn't just a betrayal of, like, Rodimus. It's a betrayal of Reader. This is something that will be very hard for any of them to come back from without a massive cheat happening. Like, oh, get away, brainwash them. Or they use the time roof case to go back to before this and stop it ever happening. Because what you were saying about occasional lack of follow-up on these plot lines, Marion, I don't want that to happen here. If they have gone evil, or at least uh, betrayed Rodimus, even for what they think are good reasons, I want it to stick. And I want nobody want to want to buy the new Blaster toy at the end of this arc. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I think, I think, yeah, I think this should stick. I think uh, if, the, if we go back to the status quo now, even the status quo, we're like, oh, the, the, some of the people on the ship don't like you. That is kind of where we've been. We've been there since Dark Cybertron, and this, this is good. We should just, this is the, this, we're extracting this portion of the cast now, and I think they should stay extracted. Not that we should never hear from the Lost Light again, but yeah, this should be the way it goes. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I'd like to see this resistance. I think um, if this carries on with six issues being a siege, effectively, and we finding out more and more and more about the situation, I would very much like to see what's happening on the Lost Light. And I would like to see. Um, I really hope Perceptor is not it's not in on this. Um, I like Perceptor. I think Riptide is actually going to be a guy who ends up having doubts. Because he was enjoying being in Megatron's classic facade. He was happy to do those, that coursework. Yeah. Like, he didn't do well on his exam. <laughs> um, I, I, I think Riptide's always been on the dodgy side. It's oh, because he recru- was on, on the lake with But recruitment, yeah. These guys have been recruiting for some time. Now, I haven't had time to go back and reread the whole of season two before this, but I do remember a couple of stuff. So um, after they shoot well with the nudge gun in 47 he has a, a headache yeah mm-hmm. so we've seen a couple of other characters complain about headaches throughout the season more notably skids before they go off to the vis vitalis complains of having a horrible headache whilst uh, getaway is talking to him are you meant to think that it's the uh, uh, personality just, oh 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 no, because it starts before they go to the vis vitalis and then it carries on and then yeah you kind of think it's part of that but no it happens beforehand and and getaway is really chatty with skids at that point he's trying to approach him and this isn't the first time he's done this in uh slaughterhouse they start having a chat about megatron they get interrupted by loads and loads of bodies and they never get to finish that so um, I suspect the time when they actually do have the chat is right before the um, start of issue 41, 41, um, where Skid says he has a headache because he's just been nudge gunned. 
Nightbeat complains about the headache when they're on their way to the Necrobots planet. And that's all I can think of. And then... Did no one think we, I have one? I don't think so, but... I, she said not one, it misses she. <laughs> bless him. Those two issues, they've, they've, they've gotten so much flack. The um, space, space Barnacle ones. I, I bet you if you read them now, they are full of information. Because that's the, uh, the disco issue. And that's where, and this is where I was going, Riptide is trying to recruit uh, Ravage. Because he asks him about Megatron versus Soundwave. No. Mm. So I, I'm pretty sure this recruitment has been going on for some time. And we've been seeing it and not realizing what we're reading. Mm. I suppose if he only got his nudge gun back recently, uh, he'd only have recently been able to start interviewing people as well. That's why it took so long into season two for this to come to uh, fruition. Because 200 yeah. people takes a lot of time as well. He would have had to. And imagine having a quiet <laughs> conversation with Siren. So, Siren, what do you think about Megatron? Well, I'm actually quite against it. I'm going to nitpick here. <laughs> You know what Getaway says, that 99% are against you. There's 200 people on the ship. 99% makes, makes 198. You're, you're not 99% Getaway. It's a, a reference to contemporary politics. <laughs> oh, is it? Uh, uh, not that contemporary anymore. I guess like five years ago, there was the yeah. one thing. Right. Another thing about the nudge guns. So Getaway gets the gun back, yeah, at some point. We don't know when. But I'm, I'm pretty sure it is before H41. But where does he get all the bullets? Because they only had one, uh, two, didn't they? Two. Something's going on with that gun. There's something bigger going on behind that. I'm pretty much convinced now. Because he's getting that ammunition from somewhere. So, uh, yeah, he's in contact with somebody else over that, I think. And again, unfortunately, Brainstorm... New Institute Tech. He's a weapon specialist. He would know. He would probably. Yeah, I mean, he was able to identify the Nutch Gun in the first place, wasn't he? He's had Skid broken one for quite some time. I think the thing with Caps Against Brainstorm is he would never put himself in this situation where he's the, the stalking horse in this group. That's too dangerous for him. He he's a he's a coward. He would. He would risk the chance of being killed by the DJD. He'd say, send somebody, send Atomizer, send Riptide mm-hmm. in with him, I'll stay on the ship and give you good gun bullets. That's what I do. That's my my thing. He is the only one who knows the phone number of the DJD. Yeah, interesting that, isn't it? Mm. Oh, you've ruined your brainstorm for me. But I already hated him. So, that's good. so Tom, mm? well, what do you think? about all this. Uh, whose team am I on? Are you, are you, are you, yes. Tom, your allegiance, please. I think Getaway is totally justified <gasps> in this. Uh, maybe, you know, some of the collateral damage is, is, is nasty. Um, and I'm not saying Getaway, uh, Getaway is a nice person. He, I mean, he's the, he's the bad man who had to do the, the thing. But you, you, you kind of have to do something Got to do something to Megatron. You can't. If this was a real life situation, if we were seeing this in a situation like our government palling up to, I don't know, good yeah, You're going to have to think of a dictator we've never palled up to, so that might, that might take some time. <laughs> <laughs> I 
<laughs> we don't give him a yeah, I mean, pals up to his people. We just usually let him and <laughs> give him a job. Uh, you, there would be outrage about that, and the person who was able to turn that around would be seen to be doing the right thing. And if the other people in the cabinet of the government who did the collusion, like, well, maybe they were acting in volition, maybe they just didn't know, maybe they're naive. Well, yeah, they're part of the problem. They're part of the problem. And it's interesting. And of course, as a reader, I want Megatron to be all right. But I think this works because Getaway is correct. You're, you're team Getaway. You're, team you're get- putting yourself in Interesting, with they? that evil man evil people have been on the sharp end of the right end of history again and again oh you've you be practicing that haven't you Tom that's a very neat turn of phrase there you've been waiting to slip that in I've got it written on my hand <laughs> well uh, I'm pretty much on team one of us because getaway is a complete bastard mainframe is a bastard look how Fucking smug mainframe is on a page where we reveal all the crew on the bridge and he's like this with his hands on his hips like he's bloody Superman going, yeah, I tricked you real good. So that is how bright they're for real deeds. But I really want to talk about the backup story because I love it. What did you think about this part of the issue, Mentor? <laughs> well, I thought this was an incredibly good use of Brendan Cahill. This is a story all set in one place with an anchoring of the same angle at the same location at the top of every page and Cahill does a sense of space really well. Milne's great, I mean Milne designed all these backgrounds and he does that very well but often he uh, you know, doesn't, he's not able to put his great backgrounds into his panels or at least in a way that makes them read well. Cahill allows these things to breathe uh, when he's paired up with uh, a a colorist who grocks that, which I think he is here. I can't identify the colorist. It's but, John. Um, is it? Okay. Yeah, I mean, they, they work great as a team. And uh, this is just gorgeous. Uh, it's, it's gorgeous. It's, it's nothing flashy, but it's just such great comic literacy. You know, um, every... It, it's, it's nothing so outright as giving each page its own color scheme, but the lighting... Is different on each one, gives that a different mood. And the fact that each, you know, the set is dressed a bit differently, and the tables are not there, the tables are back, and it's so, it's so lovely. And the expressions in this, and expressions are always important in more than meets the eye. But here we've got grief and intrigue and hope and fear, and it, it's it, there's not a single face you can't read, especially when there's so many little. I don't want to say in-jokes, but references and extra information going on in the background, and especially when, you know, it's definitely short of space, a lot of the faces are by necessity quite small. I think every stroke of the art and colour in this is perfect. And a pipe says, I probably have a massive crush. Crush. <laughs> yes, crush. It's every time we see pipes in flashback, there's going to be some sort of reference to being crushed. To death. <laughs> I would say, you know, they've earned it. They've earned, earned, they've earned a terrible pun. Terrible black, black-hearted pun. Yeah, there's all sorts of stuff in here, man. Little character beats. We see yeah. a mainframe getting recruited. We do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, Ratchet isn't in it, is he? I was going to say all the main characters who aren't on the ship anymore uh, have a moment. Bar. 
at the bar in, with first aid. Yeah, next to them. Okay. Yeah, yeah, okay. He doesn't say anything, does Because he's coming back! He doesn't need to say anything. Either. Yeah, that is a bit of an omission. Um, I like uh, this idea that uh, Perceptor and Tripodica uh, were best mates. It's also just so so great that we're referencing, it's reflecting on what we just saw in the main story in so many ways. Like, what's up? We're thinking about Perceptor right now. Oh, here we have Perceptor reflecting on somebody who was killed by, somebody he cared about was killed by Overlord. Whose fault was that? Ah. Mm. Next to Toaster as well in that scene, which is obviously the highlight of the issue scene, Toaster back. Ah, yeah, the real toast of the town. You know, we're we're thinking about Crosscut, and here's Crosscut getting a bit of play. We're thinking about Brainstorm being shifty, and here we we see Brainstorm being pushed over by the mention of Quark to poison everyone. Just even just a little name check, or just just the fact that Sandstorm's in there. Sandstorm did some terrible things for to horrible people and was punished for it. But did he really? You know, he, he was also. I think it was less well put together, but punishment did it had a point. Sandstorm had a point to kill all those people who killed whole planets themselves. Yeah, you, you agree with Getaway? You agree with Sandstorm? You're just a bloodthirsty man, Tom. Uh, what I like about the uh, Page of Perceptor uh, is well, actually Hoist. Because, hey, he's proudly wearing his one of a star. He's got no doubt at that point, does he? He just loves his badge. Uh, but this also is pretty important because it deals with a complaint I otherwise would have had in that it establishes a hoist does medical stuff. So when they get rid of Velocity, they're not losing their one doctor. And it's not like this crew that keeps having these lethal adventures is going to be left without any medical staff. Their hoist can take over, not wearing his star anymore, probably choking on it in the back of his throat as he thinks about what he's done. <laughs> I like Overlord going after Perceptor, and I didn't. I wasn't sure what I was looking at there. That there you are, until I flash back to Last Under the Records, of course. That was that from Records? I thought that was basically from the fight. Uh, well, that's a Records moment, huh? No, no, no. no, it's no. Something more than me die, but the fact that mm. Overlord would recognise Perceptor. Mm. Oh, sorry. Yes, I got you there. So yeah. The gun bundling battle stat. Uh, the Overlord, then, it's just Overlord and Tar. They're the only regular villains who are actually in this issue, even in a bit sort of flashbacks. There's not like a roll call of the bad guys, which uh, is an interesting uh, trope in a point. Um, drift. We were trying to distract you from it. I don't care about anything else in this issue, just learn it. <laughs> so we've got some. There is a few people here that we haven't seen in a while. They may be coming back. They we could be seeing them in the next six or uh, five issues. Uh, Drift, Ratchet. Yeah, came back. Uh, yeah, but I would assume Drift, because we've not seen Drift or Ratchet since they left the book. We don't know what happened to yeah. them. The the timeline of uh, Empire Stern is a little bit. So we don't know if they are on their way back as we speak, or whether they haven't even come across each other yet. But for we know first aid is definitely on his way back. He's been on his way back for quite some time now. I'm wondering if uh, Red Alert and Fortress Maximus are going to fire up Luna One and its big rocket to come riding into the rescue on that. That was one of the things yeah. I was thinking. 
I think they're definitely going to be part of this new cast. And we see uh, we, we see Firestar, uh, Thunderclash, and Velocity are talking to Firestar at the bar, which is another nice reminder that the Vis Vitalis is out there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I had forgotten that. <laughs> got some things in play. We've got things that could be happening either within the next five issues or in season three. Hmm. And uh, I know that James Roberts has said that, uh, you know, I can't bring um, Drift and Ratchet back. We've got too many characters. Well, well, James. <laughs> so, in conclusion, how do we feel about Warner Meets the Eye number 50? Well, oh. I never got a chance to say that I am firmly Team Rodimus. Oh, you are. That's a, that's a twist. <laughs> I think Getaway's a bastard. And I, I, I can sympathise with everyone's viewpoint about Megatron, but I don't think what they're doing is justified in any way. And I don't trust Getaway's motives behind leading this rebellion. Yeah, I think he's definitely got another thing going on. I don't think he's straight up suddenly right. interested in the Knights of Cybertron. And what what gets me the most is that he uses them as his excuse. And, you know, going back to why Megatron is with him in the first place is so they can take him to the Knights of Cybertron so he can be judged for his crimes. Hmm. So if you're that hung up on the Knights of Cybertron, why don't you trust them to pass judgment on this person that you hate? Why are you taking justice into your own hands, especially when you, you know, you're such a firm believer in justice? And he's only just got his hands back as well. <laughs> I, you know, uh, I, I think you're, you're bang on there. But he does cover that with saying that he doesn't think Rodimus is really genuinely interested in getting there. But yeah, I don't, I don't buy that he's, he's into. Yeah. Of course, he was saying he, he didn't trust Rodimus's leadership even before they knew Megatron was going to be aboard. Yeah. As we know from the atomizer list, which makes you wonder mm. why he would have signed up to this mission in the first place before Megatron was on there. Because he maybe signed up after Megatron was announced, so he can get able to get Megatron. Why would he sign up beforehand if he really had no faith in them achieving what they were going to set out to do? There's some stuff going on there. I I think where we've ended up, what's what's gonna happen now is i think we are going to see megatron's trial i think this is going to be you know his personal trial i think this is where we're going to find out whether everything he's been talking about this whole season sticks or not so what's going to happen when he runs out of his sedatives what's going to happen when the djd come knocking down the door what's going to happen when they give the ultimatum of you know either bring megatron out or we kill all of you these are the things that are really going to put his uh, his conviction to the test, and this is what I'm interested in seeing more than anything else. How is he going to get out of this? Hmm. So I think I said on the, the last podcast that we recorded uh, that I didn't think Megatron was still going to be aboard in season three. I'm not so sure now. I think they, if they end up separate, if they do end up separating from the Lost Light and having to go chasing after it, or it's just for six of them, I think there's more mileage you can get out of Megatron. If they do stay on the last lights, I would expect him to leave or bugger off, because why would he stay there with those people after this? He'd basically be nuts. But if they're, they're going after it to get, get away, I think there is interesting stuff you could do there. Um... I yeah, I'm very interested to see where this goes. I, I I'm pretty sure the focus will be on on the people we want it to be on, 
Zaron. <laughs> I think this was yeah, it was very satisfying. I think it it really functioned as a sort of victory lap. I'm really impressed with the technicals on the um, the no swords, no guns, no briefcases story. Uh, above the fact Rain Storm has his briefcase on it at one point. Uh, see, I, I wouldn't have noticed that unless the author himself had preempted that complaint, <laughs> showing that he's definitely not too sensitive about minor nitpicks. He's even preempting nitpicks that haven't been made. Yeah, I, I, I think this is... Uh, I'm very happy with how this turned out. I'm very keen to see what happens going forward. I think sort of there's enough set up here for a a post more than meets the eye book. And that's an interesting thing to think about. Mm-hmm. Hey, I, I personally would say, fuck. Okay, that was a hell of an issue. It's sort of hard to say in the context of a wider story where things are going to go because... You know, as you said, sometimes it doesn't even follow through on these things perfectly. But as an individual issue, that was probably just about perfect. Very few niggles. Just about everything worked. Lots and lots of lovely stuff. And, uh, yeah, that's a good one. And I think to sort of celebrate 50 issues of War BTI, uh, one thing I'm going to do going forward is stop making Red Dwarf analogies. I'm going to Give James Roberts that little gift. Goodness me. That's like Megatron giving up violence. And it will last just as long as well. <laughs> uh, at one point I have my phantom making red dwarf analogy punch moments. But... Are you just going to shift over to making more Star Trek references? Which are basically <laughs> red dwarf references. No, Battlestar. <laughs> well, no doubt we will all be back for the rest of this arc. Are we all looking forward to it? Yeah. Yay. That is a correct answer. <laughs> uh, Podcast Maximus is now on iTunes. If you look up the Podcast Maximus page on TF Archive, there's a link to the iTunes feed, the RSS feed, and all sorts of stuff. It's all fancy. People can subscribe. Subscribe to subscribe. iTunes. It'll download directly to your Apple device. and There's all exciting new stuff there, so do join in with that. Uh, where... At TF Archive, there is a thread, a discussion thread for this podcast where you can leave feedback. You can contact me on Twitter as at uh, Faithful Dalek. Uh, Marion as. As Mortar, that's double M O R T A H. And Tom has decided to join us on Twitter with an actual account rather than his mystical, serious one. What's your new Twitter handle, Tom? My old Twitter, I resurrected it from the from the ashes. Uh, it's after a medallion. So there you go, there's no excuse not to tell us how much you disagree with everything we've just said. And uh, we'll see you all next time. Bye bye, everybody. Bye. I'm waving, I'm waving. <laughs>